I ask some people, do you actually know, check the level of your uh, engine oil regularly? Regularly, your engine oil. Yeah? I've asked this some time ago. And uh, some say no. Some say, uh, uh, what is it about? Uh? Yeah. They ask, what is it about? Some of us don't even know that we need to fill engine oil or there is such a thing called engine oil. And uh, they thought that uh, we fill petrol and that's it. It will be sufficient. And when you have petrol, you can go. But they do not know that uh, there are other things that needed to be attended to. Some of us do know that we need to fill the engine oil, but some of us do not know where, how, where, what to do, and how to check. Okay? Uh, the engine oil is actually the lubricant in the engine that reduces friction. Uh, there are many, many, many moving parts in the engine. And all this engine needs lubricant so that it will turn smoothly and reduce excessive wear of the engine. And without sufficient engine oil, there will be too much wear and there may be overheating as well and causing the engine to malfunction. You know, we can take this engine oil actually very uh, for granted, actually. We can really take it for granted and uh, we can really... Uh, uh, because we don't see it, we couldn't care about it. And sometimes we think that the, the car is like an iron horse. We can ride it until it stops and then we throw it by the roadside. Now we didn't know that maintenance is also part of owning a car. So we need to really have enough engine oil so that the engine can function and we can go wherever we plan to go. And we, if the engine stops moving, the car stops. It's no, it's, uh, it is so simple, insignificant, and yet it's so important for all of us who own engine oil. And I know that uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in most of us here, we are not taught about engine oil and engine maintenance, even in our driving lessons uh, with the driving instructor. And I was told long ago when I first started driving, uh, it is important, and there are three things to check. Mainly, the water, the engine oil, and the brake fluid. And these three things you always need to constantly and check regularly. You know, every engine over time will burn off lubricant. The lubricant is in very close contact in the combustion part of the engine. And sometimes because it is so hot, engine oil inevitably will burn off and the level of the engine oil will come down over time. And that's why there is a deep stick for us to check the level of the engine oil. And of course, some of us will know where is the deep stick. What is the deep stick for? You know? Okay, that's another lesson. And we need to check it and we don't check it, then it will be too low and the engine may get into trouble. All right? So we cannot take the risk if we don't care. If we don't care, then one day it will give us trouble. So we cannot take engine oil for granted because many other things depend on the smooth running of the engine. And when the engine stops, the car stops. And you will have a big, big problem. You know? Some time ago when I was driving, I didn't know that there was a bus on the 
water cooling pipe, one of those rubber pipes in the radiator, uh, connected to the radiator. And I didn't notice the red warning sign of the temperature. I keep driving, driving until the engine stops. And the engine actually overheated and the parts couldn't move anymore. And the engine stopped and so the car stopped by the roadside. And you have to call the tow truck to come and take it away to the workshop for repairs. So water, lubricant, and brake fluid. These are the three things that I have been taught when I, stood, when I first started to drive that we need to check regularly. And this is the start of our second quarter of the year and we are preaching on the theme of relating to one another. Relating to one another. The emphasis of this quarter is to encourage members, all right, members to relate to each other properly and to go deeper in bonding with each other. All right? We are a family here as a church. Uh, we are not individual living on our own, isolated from the rest of the people. Uh, as much as we are members of Subang Jaya Assembly of God, we are all family. The people of God must be united and love each other the way God loves us. I think this is a practice that we need to put it in our mind that we need to continue to love each other the way God loves us. And there must be genuine love among the members so that God will come to minister to us. When we are rightly related, God's presence will be there to minister to us. The more people we have in church, the more difficult it will be to be united it's more difficult to be coming together as one and to be rightly related. And because of this, it takes effort to build trust in our relationship. And this morning, I'm going to preach on the teaching of Jesus, on the importance of resolving matters among ourselves. We have to settle matters among ourselves that must be settled first before we really can worship God in all his liberty. And this morning, I want to share two issues that we need to settle first. Two issues. Then only we can have right relationship with God. Right with man, then right with God. We have to be honest with ourselves and to one another. Okay? Otherwise, there is no point to say that we worship God when we are not rightly related. In fact, worship will be in vain if we don't have right relationship with one another, we cannot even claim to be Christ's followers if we continue to have grudges in our hearts and unforgiveness for one another in our hearts. Right? This morning, we need to put that matter, resolve that matter among ourselves. Then we come and worship the Lord. So the title of my message is Families, Not Enemies. And I preach this, I want to preach this from a passage in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 on the verses from 21 to 26. In your Bible, you will see that it is termed under uh, murder. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 to 26 in that passage there. Okay, follow along as I read. It says here, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. 
Again, anyone who say to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who say, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Come, let's pray. Father, we want to commit the preaching of your word into your hands, that you have said something for us that is important. And this morning, we want to look upon this passage here. You want to let your word minister to us, to speak to us, <coughs> to enlighten us. The Lord, that we may be careful how we relate to each other and that we may live life that is really honourable to you and we can really allow you to minister to us. Take this time, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, let me give me a little bit of background about this passage. <coughs> this recording happened not long after Jesus began his ministry. Okay? He started his ministry in Galilee and he was uh, doing a, a lot of preaching and moving about from place to place. So it happened in the region of Galilee, in the northern part of Israel, and he performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And because of these great things that are happening, okay, uh, the people uh, were attracted and great crowds of people come to see, to hear, and to watch, and to be taught by him. All over the region, people began to come to listen to him. Both Jews and Gentiles came to seek him out. You know? uh, Galilee is mostly Gentile area and a lot of people would come because of the things that they have heard about and they want to witness it themselves and so they come to hear him. People came to hear him preach and to teach and to see his miracles and those are really wild things that are happening during that time. Crowds of people brought the sick and demon-possessed to be healed by Jesus and Scripture recorded for us, He healed them all. And because of that, great crowds were attracted from the region beyond and in today's area in Damascus as well as the interior part of Syria. People were so excited about this man by the name of Jesus, a prophet they think that God has raised during this times that they're going to meet their human needs and the great crowds of people come to hear him, to see him, to hear, listen to his teaching. Yeah, they were so excited and there was great excitement in that region. And they were happy to hear his teaching, not like those teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees that really make it so difficult to really follow after. And some people travel very long distances, even bringing along with them the sick that may not be able to walk on their own, and they brought them to Jesus, travel long distances so that Jesus may heal them. And when Jesus saw the crowds of the people, 
he had compassion on these people. And there are many issues, many times here that Jesus would tell the people to sit down and then he begin to teach them and tell them on the rolling hills of Galilee. He had compassion of them on them and he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. This began, okay, in this passage on the Sermon on the Mount, which is also known as the Beatitudes. Okay, so the Beatitudes here is recorded in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Uh, quite a lengthy passage that Jesus talked about. In this passage, Jesus talked about the separation war between people that prevented God from calling, coming close to them, from ministering to them. This was an hindrance between the people and, were not, and the people were not aware. And therefore, not able to receive from God the things they prayed for or they hoped for and they trusted God for. So Jesus taught them the importance of right relationship with each other before God can minister to them. Now there are two issues, as I say, that Jesus talked about here. And first issue is how that they can resolve among themselves before they can worship God is the issue of anger. The anger issue from verses 21 to verses 22. So in this passage, Jesus insisted that it is more than the act against the law that people become guilty. It's more than just the act. The religious teachers of the past taught the people that the act of killing will be subjected to judgment. Well, you follow the law, then that is Islam. The guilty will be punished in return, because the law during that time was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. It was like that. It was taught that if, they, if the law is broken and the person is caught, then he is guilty and must pay for his sin. Well, I think that is very logical for that thing to happen. But here we hear from Jesus but Jesus thought that even when we are angry with someone, we are guilty of murder and will be judged. Now, being angry is kind of a thing that has happened in yourself, alright? Uh, you have not committed any act of murder. But being angry, according to the teaching of Jesus here, is murder. So Jesus equates Anger with murder. And Jesus thought that it is not necessary to commit an act, but just harbor the negative thought towards one another itself is already guilty. Harboring a thought against one another is tantamount to murder. The standard is not higher. It is the same, but it goes right to the intention of the heart that nobody sees and nobody knows the intention and in the heart. The intention in the heart as well sometimes in the mind. No one can see intention, okay? It is something that is unseen, but Jesus thought that that itself is sin already when it is harbored in the heart and the mind. Now, there are three things that Jesus talked about that we need to avoid so that we do not sin. First of all, is being angry. It's uh, written there. 
Secondly, it's implied is being contemptuous, which is despiteful of others, uh, in other words. And thirdly, uh, being hateful. And all these words are interplay. Of course, the anger one we understand. Between number two, the contemptuous and the hateful, there's an interplay of our English words. Uh, they can actually replace one another. It's okay. But then there are three things here all right, that we want to look into. First of all, being angry. We get angry now and then, and this is uh, quite a common thing. And uh, there is uh, no one that don't get angry. Uh, nowadays, in this pressurized society, in this situation now, everybody seems to be very angry. We are brought up by our parents as well as by our teachers and have standards that are ingrained in us. So when we encounter something that is not our nature, uh, not what we used to, uh, not what we are comfortable with, we can get angry. Okay? These are the things that trigger us, trigger us. We usually get angry with people because they say something or they do something to us all right, that offended us. And that's why the emotion of anger rises in us. And anger is a natural emotion that comes. But, but in itself, it is not a sin until it is being harbored within us is being bottled and kept within us, it becomes a sin. Anger must not fester within us and cause trouble in our relationship. Anger always gets us into trouble, whether we are right or whether we are wrong. Bible gives room to be angry, but not to sin. Okay, Not to sin with anger. There is one anger that I thought about that comes to my mind that uh, we, need, we, do, we can consider here. It is remember that Jesus was very angry when he entered into the temple courts in one of his journey to Jerusalem. There he sees, okay, the money changers, many of them exchanging money because you have to pay the temple tax and people come from different regions during that time. So they have to exchange the money to the local currency in order to pay the temple tax. And so there are lots of money changers there. And there are lots of people also selling animals for sacrifices. Birds, la, uh, lamb, la, and so on and so forth. And all these things are becoming to be like a commercial place rather than a house of prayer. Jesus reckoned that the, that the temple during his time was his father's house of prayer and not a commercial place. And that, that place must be such in a... In, in, in such a sense that it already angered Jesus until he made a whip. And he whipped the people that were doing all those businesses there. He overturned the tables of the money changers. And he kicked out all the traders from within the temple courts. And that was holy anger that was recorded here, that Jesus got angry. And that was anger was for the cause of God. And here we have a different situation. Here we have people who get angry and harbour in our hearts. And when we harbour in our hearts, Jesus equates that with murder. Jesus equates that with murder. And so that is the first one. The second one is being contemptuous. Bible used the Aramaic word raka, which many versions would translate as empty or empty-headed. Empty-headed, huh? Atas kosong. We often say this is in disgust 
and we curse people. It is like calling others bodo. Right? I think we can all understand this. When someone jump queue and drive uh, carelessly into your lane, and the first thing that you happen to us that we will shout bodo and all this kind of stuff. Right? It meant that we hold something unpleasant against someone. This is an element of intense despite against the person over what he has said or done. It covers a strong bad feeling towards others, and it is that serious. This kind of feeling is so common with us that Jesus considered it as sinful. It's common to us and is considered as sinful. So many times we commit that sin in our life that we have contemptuous thought about people and we have that kind of intense feeling, negative feeling against people. And thirdly, hatefulness. Of course, we thank God that we are Christians, we are in the house of God, we are in a family, and we have been taught, we have been uh, 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 told that uh, we are to love one another, and I thank God this has kind of uh, helped us so that we are not hateful, that we are not as hateful as people that do not know God. All right, We have some sense of... Uh, 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 goodness that is being practiced here. <coughs> and we are not that kind of a people that uh, open their mouth means they curse you, they close the sentence, they curse you, that kind of people. And uh, we are really being taught and educated in this way. And so being hateful, uh, it seems that it is not so common in church. But yet, God covers this area of being hateful. All right. We can be, uh, we can control by being educated in love, and so I trust that as we spend more time in our SDG classes, in our interaction with one another, and in ministry, we grow in our love. That instead of being hateful, we are loving people and we are patient people as well. So that helps us a lot. And so being angry is a sin. As in Ephesians 4.26, warns us there, anger is a common problem with human beings. Alright? Ephesians 4, verse 26, we can see that on the screen. We have been angry so often, therefore, we have been sinning as well. No wonder our prayers has not been answered. And also in James chapter 1, Verse 19 to 20, warn us to avoid being angry because in anger, we will not do righteous things. In anger, we will do angry things and many times stupid things. All right? Anger is like the fire that blinds our eyes and we speak things and do things that we will regret after that. And we cannot operate logically when we are in anger, in, in anger, we will bring dishonor to God, even in front of other people. And I've seen and experienced very angry people. Do not know why, but one anger leads to another act, and they become so illogical, really out of logic. You do not understand why the person would be acting in such angry situation, and one after another, 
The ready people like that needs to cool down and calm down. How not to be angry? And one reason we are so ang easily angered is because we are too concerned with ourselves. We are too concerned that our comfort is being attacked. And so we retaliate to, re uh, to, to defend ourselves. And to counter that anger, the Bible teaches us to consider others better than ourselves. And I think that this is one of a good strategy. When we have the thought that others are better than ourselves, others are better than ourselves, we would want to listen and learn from them. And when we give and have the respect for that kind of people, we will not get angry. And this will help us to stay calm and be open to what people have to say to us. Always have this in our mind, to consider others better than ourselves, to resolve the anger issue. Even if others are not just as good or up to our level, there is always something that we can learn from others. Alright? There's always something that we can learn. When we are open to others, we can accept others and then we won't be that angry anymore. And I think that this is a good move that the Bible provides for us to consider others better than ourselves. And secondly, when we are considered everyone created in the image of God and are worthy of respect, okay, we will not look down on others. Really, when we consider that, if we despise others for who they are, we blame God because God made them that way. Some are not so smart, some are very smart. Some are very tall, some are very short. Some are very big size, some are smaller short. Smaller size. We cannot, we cannot really uh, 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 get angry and uh, unhappy about that because God made them that way. We are all on a journey and everyone is at different level. And so we have to give grace to each other and we cannot compare. Really, we cannot compare. Okay? Because the Bible says that if you are compared, we are not wise. We are not wise. We have seen how jealously, how jealous a man can be that has caused the murder of 6 million Jews during World War II. Just one single man that is so jealous of others that he killed 6 million Jews during World War II. Every human on earth is worthy of respect and believers must stay away from discrimination. We have to stay away from that area. And then the third way that we can handle this is if we cannot accept and love a fellow human based on who they are, then we fail God and we cannot be an ambassador of Christ. We really cannot represent God here on earth. So we need to buck up in our area of loving and how to love each other. That will have plenty to instill in us. And I trust that these three points can help us to put away our anger and not to judge others, not to harbour anything in us that cause the disruption of unity among brothers and sisters. Now this is important because that when we are rightly related to each other, God can hear us, God can minister to us. Alright? Now, secondly, the matter to resolve among ourselves before we can worship God is the relational issue. 
The relational issue, we can find it in uh, verses 23 to 25. 23 to 25. The Bible tells us to settle to tell us to settle with one another any ill feeling or misunderstanding before we come to worship God. Before we come to worship God. And many times the Holy Spirit reminds us of some unresolved relational matter that we have to make right then. That we have to make right before we come. It is clear that when we feel that our brother has something against us, we are to go and make right. Go and make right. It is best if the offender come to tell us of our offence and we make right together. You know, for the offender to come and tell us, it really, really speaks about maturity. Only people with such maturity can do that. And we should appreciate when people come and tell us that we have offended them. You know, you do not know sometimes uh, when we are so... Uh, enthusiastic, uh, you just say what you want to say and you didn't go through your brain and then you offended people and that person come and tell you it's really that you need to appreciate such people who are daring and uh, strong enough to come and tell you. But we are also to go to them who we think is being hurt so that the relationship can be mended. Let's start with us and not them. Let us be the first people that will initiate the move. And we have to make the first move to mend relationship. Usually, the offenders seldom would come to us because they are hurting. And so we need to go to ask them for forgiveness for our shortcomings. And this is a principle of the high calling of God. It is to comfort the hurting and the suffering. And we are to be agents of love and to bring about healing within our family. In matters of misunderstanding, we are to try our level best, try our level best to resolve before it gets worse. And no one benefits when matter blows up. And the consequences will be embarrassment and a poor witness for Christ. You know, it records for us here, Jesus says that people going to courts. You know, where in the courts are, there are lots of questioning and a lot of in, in investigation and all these things will be blown out, will be come up to the public and it will be a very embarrassing thing. And so, Jesus tells us, do not go to that extent, settle it among ourselves. Let's maintain the atmosphere of love among the brothers and sisters in the family. It is not a matter of who is right and wrong is healing the hurting. It's bringing healing to the hurting. Those who are not hurting are to go to the hurting and to bring healing. It is difficult when we, are, when we hold to the position of right and wrong. Uh, when we say that, uh, when we insist that we are right, why should we, I go and apologize and things like that? Uh, don't hold that in our mind. It will be very difficult. <coughs> Because Jesus taught us to walk the second mile, to turn the other cheek, be humble, and to love our enemies and pray for them that persecute us. And that's things, how these things work out. God knows best and how humans that are created by Him need to resolve 
issues like this. Believers are of a different level, a kind, a different kind of people. We will do the hard part with the help of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I believe that the Holy Spirit is given to us to prompt us at times that when we are wrong, okay, to remind us that we have something that is unresolved and to give us the strength to go and approach to make the first move to restore relationships. We bring healing to the hurting. And if within our family, we are not able to do that, then it is very difficult for us to bring healing to the world. When Jesus died on the cross, He brought reconciliation between men. As in how Jesus told John, during the time of crucifixion, when Jesus was dying on the cross, there was among the crowd, John, his disciple that he loved. And there was his own mother, Mother Mary, and also his sister-in-law, Mary's sister. And he told John, Behold your mother. And he told his own mother Mary, Behold your son. From that moment onwards, he brought them together as family. Scripture recorded that from that day onwards, John took Mary into his own home. When we are not rightly related to one another, even unseen, we sin and God is separated from us. That Jesus brought reconciliation on the cross. And it is an example for us that today we are to be reconciled to one another. We are to be rightly related to each other. When we are separated from God, our prayers are not answered. There are lots of other things that are not working well. Things become broken and not working because of that. So one of the ways to check our walk with God is to check that how much have God answered our prayer. If they are not, then maybe perhaps there is something that is not right that we need to check it out. Look at the diagram that I have done simply. When we are reconciled from man to man, okay, when we make right, God will definitely answer our prayers and our prayers get answered. So it is a simple thing as just as that, that we need to be reconciled. Especially I will want to speak to spousal relationship. Okay. Many of you have been married for many years. Allow me to speak to some of you. Some of our marriages are really not on good terms. We cannot see eye to eye with our spouse. And I tell you that you need to reconcile with each other. You need to find strategies and you need to learn new skills so that your relationship will be better and better. So that when your relationship is good, that whatever that you prayed for, whatever you asked God for, God can minister to you. Let not your prayers be unanswered because of bad spousal relationship. Set it right. If within your own family, within the spouse, husband and wife, your relationship is not right with one another, then it's very tough for you to be really loving to other people as well. We need to be really people that will walk the talk and people that will really love God 
as we love one another. We need to put things right. And I want us to be sincere and open to one another and to confess our sins to one another so that we might be reconciled with God and God can minister, God can come close to us and God can speak to us. We need to go to one another privately and make right. Okay, Bible informs us in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, as well as 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, to live in harmony with each other. That we need to be living in harmony, make the relationship right again. Okay? It's not a matter of who is right and wrong, as I say. It's a matter of how we need to be rightly related. Okay? This is very hard, but it is necessary. And we have to do it. Okay? Unless we begin to love our next, the one that is closest to us, it will be hard for us to love others that are further away. And one of the best ways I can teach is not to, offend, not to be offended by what other people say or do. And that is to take it easy and have a big heart. Not to be so easily offended, have a big heart, take it easy, uh, rest in God to justify us. All right? Sometimes you don't have to defend yourself so much. Be open and positive. Let's be clean on the human level so that our spiritual level will not be affected. Alright? Let us be clean on a human level. Always maintain right relationship with man and with God. And so in conclusion, today's lesson for us is don't take members' relationship for granted. When we don't handle our anger correctly and our relationship with each other, our worship to God is not acceptable, he says. Our worship to God is falling on the ground. As much as we worship God, we must also relate well with members. And we cannot reflect God when we cannot relate to each other. We are not living a faith all by ourselves. Faith lives, is lived out in the community of believers. Nobody will know that you are a believer. Nobody will know you are a strong believer when you're all by yourself. It's only that when you live it out among yourself that you will know that we are a strong believer in Christ. One affects the other. As members of Subang Jaya Assembly, we have to uphold our relationship well so that our fellowship with God is not broken by any of our human shortcomings that our human shortcomings will not interfere in our relationship with God. Unity and love is so important in church and we must guard it at all costs. And let me say it, guard it at all costs. Okay? And we cannot say that we have good relationship with God when our relationship with members are not right. And so from the cell level onwards up to the highest level, we need to make every direction right with each other. Let's make sure our human relationship is right and then come. Come, praise and worship God freely. So let us worship God in the beauty of holiness. Let's worship God with holy hands, acceptable worship to God. 